This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. This is It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati with Lindsey Patterson and Mike Santagata. We are back on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. Lindsey Patterson, Mike Santagata. Mike, what's up? My dog got sick. Not that, not deathly sick or anything, but just big belly ache. We were worried about him. I had to go to work. Uh, my fiance took him to the vet. He's fine. I'm an expensive belly ache. This is the second time he's done it to us this year. I mean, he gets so, he's normally pretty tough, but he gets so dramatic when he's sick. Like I went to pick him up and he let out like the most painful cry I've ever heard. <laughs> and he's like shaking. Um, that I don't know. They gave him a shot at the vet. He came home, ate an entire plate of chicken. So I think he's doing all right now. But that was how my day went and uh, had plans to go see Barbie, but not anymore. And that's why you don't buy your tickets ahead of time for a movie that's not going to sell out. But uh, that's true. Yeah. So anyway, how how are you doing? I'm good. We're recording. I'm about to go to Ludacris Ashanti um, Flow Rida right after we record. So uh, very old school OG music that I'm really looking forward to going and uh watching for a summer concert you can't go wrong summer concerts when they're outdoors um so i'm looking forward to that but nothing too crazy because you know what training camp's going to be here before you know it and i am finally i'm so excited that we're going to have topics to talk about but the good news is last week we recorded a podcast on a friday the Bengals decided to break some friday evening news with the restructure pay cut of joe mixon and i actually want to start with that topic because it's one of the things we haven't had a chance to talk about but we've talked about it on the podcast when it comes to, hey, do you think Joe Mixon's going to restructure? Do you think it's going to be a pay cut? You know, will the Cincinnati Bengals cut Joe Mixon? And it looks like, of course, Joe Mixon will be on the roster in 2023. And I felt like we knew that since pretty much a little bit before the draft that he would be RB1. And now um, his future in 2023 and maybe 2024 will be in Cincinnati. What are some of your thoughts when you, um, you saw that news? You hinted at it. Uh, this wasn't fully unexpected, but I think we've talked ad nauseum about this. But mm-hmm. you hinted at it, and I, it was something I think I brought up, like at the end of the year. But I remember saying, like, you know, I think there's a chance Joe Mixon's on the team in 2024. <laughs> and you're like, no way, right? <laughs> well, right. the restructure now that chance has moved from like in my mind 10 percent to like 25 percent. It's going to all depend on this year, I think. 
I feel terrible saying that. I, I don't mean it like, oh, Joe Mixon shouldn't be on the roster in 2024. I just didn't see it. I was like, mm, there's been a lot of discussion this offseason. It really feels like maybe 2023 is it. But now it gives flexibility. I think this is good flexibility for not only Joe Mixon, but also the Cincinnati Bengals. Yeah, because, I mean, as the contract was structured, there was pretty much no shot he was on the team in 24. And if he really loves being on the team, you know, which I think he does, and he enjoys – being with these guys competing for a Super Bowl, why not take a little less now, help them out, and make your chance at 2024 a little bit better? Uh, main issue there being probably makes less money now. <laughs> uh, I haven't looked too far into the details to compare the situation, but yeah, he definitely makes less money like this year. But overall, is it just pushed? I should have checked that, but. Overall, I think it gives him long-term structure, long-term as in more than just this year. So he has a little bit of security that well, I'm, I have a chance, and he's betting on himself a little bit, but he has a chance and he's betting on himself that he'll be on the team next year too. Um, the other half of it is the Bengals side. They save money. And why would you want to do that when you have nobody you're bringing in? It's not just you're bringing in somebody. This doesn't mean Dalton Risner is coming in or – and Damakong Su or whoever else is going to come through and play for the Bengals, this means that you can do those extensions without having to worry so much about the cap. They already were good on cap, but this frees up even more because what you're doing when you do that extension, normally extensions save you money when guys are making a lot of money. The guys are trying to extend aren't making any money. So Joe Burrow's extension boost will up his cap hit. Uh, projected at least. T. Higgins, same thing. Logan Wilson, same thing. DJ Reader, I wonder if that one would lower the cap hit a tiny bit for this year because he is already making money. But the other three, the other three are, yeah, those cap hits are going to increase. You're talking about a first, second, and third round rookie, especially the second and third round rookies. And then you look at the first round rookie, you might think like, well, they're already making some money. Yeah, but he's going to make number one overall franchise quarterback money, not just, oh yeah, that's that's good money. <laughs> So I think this is a good move for everybody involved. Um, it's, I think it's good that Mixon accepted it and worked it out that way because not I don't you hear a lot about running backs saying like I'm not taking a pay cut or position players any player in general saying I'm not going to take a pay cut. Actually, Matt Stafford just said that for the Rams. Although the Rams are in a much different place, I also would not take a pay cut to play for the 23 Los Angeles Rams. Uh, but yeah. yeah. Overall, I like the move for all parties, and it's interesting to look at. I think there's um, – no, I think I covered it all. In my mind, I was like, did I cover everything? And then, yep. Anyway, talk too much. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I, I think you look at the running back world right now over the last 24 to 48 hours, and it was a really good decision for Joe Mixon. Um, you know, he mentioned it. I know Adam Schefter tweeted it out on Friday evening that this roster, you know, chance of winning a Super Bowl – um, he, he's very familiar. He's a former team captain, could be voted team captain again in a couple of weeks when they hit the field for training camp. But I just think overall, I'm cool with Joe Mixon being our running back one. I hope he has a great season, maybe the best one yet. Who knows? Uh, but it, it's kind of wild to me that the running back contracts were such a huge issue this week because this isn't surprising. I feel like we've known this for a while. It's a passing league when it comes to star running backs. And we're probably not going to see a crazy running back contract in the near future at all. 
in the NFL. I think a lot of teams have learned from it. And um, I'm really happy that the Cincinnati Bengals and Joe Mixon were able to work it out. It always feels kind of awkward talking about a player's money and their contract and what they should or shouldn't be paid. And the Bengals have been really loyal in that situation. One of the things, you know, restructure, I know a lot of cap guys, they don't like people calling it a restructure with the Cincinnati Bengals. And you can look at it at the same time and say the front office, they've never restructured a contract. You know, I remember Giovanni Bernard, they they brought a, a pretty much, I want to say a pay cut to him when it comes to his contract. And he decided no, you know, and they released him and he was able to join another team. So I think that's huge on the front office's part. And I, and I say it all the time, but I don't think we give Katie Blackburn enough credit. She does a lot of the contracts and she has for quite some time. And uh, to, to free up some room and maybe that money goes to Joe Burrow, maybe it goes to T. Higgins, Logan Wilson, or maybe there's conversations happening with DJ Reader. I think it's absolutely huge. And maybe it's only a few million, but it's still an extra few for those big time contracts when it comes to your role players. So I think Joe Mixon's a team player. It's awesome to see. And, um, you know, I, I'm really excited to see hopefully more contract extension news, maybe another Friday night news dump after we record on a Thursday that there's another contract extension for the Cincinnati Bengals. So we'll, we'll see what happens. But um, overall, I just think just job well done by the front office and credit to Joe Mixon for doing that for the team. Yeah. Just about everything. Uh, the one part you brought up Gio Bernard, which was somebody this situation basically happened to. And he said, no, I wonder if that at all doesn't mean it's the reason he took the pay cut. I wonder if that at all did play into it though. Just like, well, Gio didn't take the pay cut, and then he got cut. And then he got less money than he was probably expecting, and then he's on the outs that quickly. So it, it might be for Mixon seeing that and going like, okay, I know I'm probably not going to be able to get my same contract on the market, um, especially looking at Dalvin Cook, looking at Leonard Fournette, looking at all these guys who were productive, and in Dalvin Cook's case, good running backs uh, last year. You know, last year, I think people would have questions about the efficiency and everything else. We've talked about it a lot about could that be injury related? Could it have been offensive line related at the start of the year? Um, but end of the day, when you look at those numbers and you look at last year in general, Mixon wasn't great. So what would his value be on the open market? So I think that is smart to just kind of swallow your pride and your ego, which is one of the hardest things to do in general, but especially for these guys who are the top 20 best at their job in the world uh, yeah. hard to swallow your pride and ego take a pay cut but he did and it's, it should benefit both him and the team over the next two years yeah and it feels like uh when the Bengals had owners meetings and, and i'm going to give paul daner credit because i know he's referenced it a couple times that these conversations were happening with joe mixon i think it's smart to have that conversation at the same time you look at guys like saquon barkley who i would say and you can you can correct me if I'm wrong. I would think he's the best player on the New York Giants right now. And I know Daniel Jones just got paid, but uh, I, I I can kind of see where front office is like, look, we're not going to give a running back that kind of money. I get it. He's obviously had an injury in the past, um, unfortunate injury. But at the same time, um, this is just kind of the world we live in. I don't think we're going to see um, NFL players and the NFL PA, you know, go against the CBA and try and change anything when it comes to running back contracts. You just, I just don't feel like you can. It's, it's a passing league, and um, that's good for the Cincinnati Bengals because they have a lot of star wide receivers. And yes, they're going to be pretty crazy, um, but this just helps them in the future because I know how a lot of people felt when Joe Mixon signed that extension. 
a lot of people wanted Joe Mixon to get paid. He's a good running back. But at the same time, it was like, oh, it's a nice chunk of change for Joe Mixon. What does that mean in a couple of years? And um, now they they have some really fun decisions and and might be tough decisions that they have to make over um, the next two off seasons. But um, this is this is just good news for them. I'm I'm a huge fan of it, and I really do. I. I referenced, you know, oh, I feel like another extension is going to be on the way. Of course, the Joe Burrow one feels like the the next one. And some people were like, well, I don't think Joe Mixon taking a pay cut has any factor into Joe Burrow getting more money or anything like that. I'm just saying, if you get a couple extra million dollars that you can put into a guaranteed fund for Joe Burrow, that's pretty helpful. I mean, it didn't hurt Joe Burrow when Joe Mixon did this. That's also interesting because when I tweeted it out that I think this could be uh, meaning that an extension is coming, uh, my replies are basically like, no duh, every fan's saying that. Or so I was just like, okay, sorry. sorry for <laughs> I, opinion. I, I'm not going to analyze the cap of it. I just, I, I'm not the guy you should go to for that. <laughs> I'll just point to Andre or something like, hey, go, go check that I, lawyer. He's got such a head start. I don't think me picking up the first textbook on cap, I, I'm not going to understand anything. Um, it's, also, the Barkley and the Jacobs and those guys not getting their deals is just mm-hmm. Barkley. I think might be the best player in the Giants. What? What? His, what are, yeah, yeah. I was I was thinking about it. Dexter Lawrence, I think, would be his main competition, or Andrew Thomas. But I think as a running back, I think he's better than but most valuable. Probably not, but best maybe. And I think that's gonna. I think that should or. Not should, but I think that will somewhat have an effect on the locker room. I also know what Josh Jacobs was waiting in the car with Max Crosby at the deadline. Like they're gonna offer me the deal, right? Didn't that's do awkward. It. Oh, that's a real awkward drive home. <laughs> Max brought a second like, like he just hopped into the car to hang out. He goes to his own car right after. Not like I have to drive him home now. Um yeah, uh since it's almost the end of the segment. My one thought. And everybody's spitting their thoughts, their wild thoughts. And how do you make these running backs so you're not just chewing them up, spitting them out, rookie contract after rookie contract? I think there's been a lot of good ideas. Um, I think the best ones deal with actually going at the rookie contract. And could the rookie contracts have stipulations? Because Barkley was an all-pro. Jacobs was an all-pro on those rookie deals. If if you're an all-pro, you know, why isn't there like some incentive for – it could even be like $10 million, <laughs> like a lot of money, because what's the biggest thing about having a rookie contract? You get to abuse those. Uh, he's not making as much money as he should. Why Why shouldn't he make more money? <laughs> you know, yeah. Maybe we should just let those guys make their money. Um, and just other pay escalations in the rookie deal. I've also heard the idea that you can just kind of like level out of your rookie deal. It just ends end of the year if you're an all pro or a pro bowler. I thought that was interesting, although wild because <laughs> i can't imagine fans like coming together like all right guys <laughs> he can't be an all pro <laughs> yeah if he's an all pro it's over it's no. all over for us guys good news for no. the Bengals. they would really i mean considering they never get all pros they would uh be in great shape. hey jesse bates was an all pro not a pro bowler just absolutely insane all of it in the maiden the madden ratings i don't even want to get into that but it just feels like it's so off and that's fine because you can underrate players who i feel like are maybe a top three or top two um at their position but uh that all it's all questionable 
Uh, but there's still more I actually want to get to because it was a huge news day for the Cincinnati Bengals. They announced their ring of honor. I know it's been kind of a hot topic over the last few weeks with running back Corey Dillon speaking out, but he's done a, a few interviews since. And it just sounds like someone who's like, look, I just I, I want to get in. And, and this would help him um, if he were ever in to be a hall of famer I, I think he's a hall of famer but i'm biased um and there are other guys in front of him so that's a whole nother conversation for another day we'll stick to ring of honor conversation next on it's always game day in cincinnati hey it's kaylee cuoco for priceline ready to go to your happy place for a happy price well why didn't you say so just download the priceline app right now and save up to 60 percent on hotels so whether it's cousin kevin's kazoo concert in kansas city go kevin or becky's bachelorette bash in bermuda you never have to miss a trip ever again so download the priceline app today your savings are waiting go to your happy place for a happy price go to your happy price priceline when you need mealtime inspiration it's worth shopping kroger where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie and no matter what tasty choice you make you'll enjoy our everyday low prices plus extra ways to save like digital coupons worth over 600 dollars each week you can also save up to one dollar off per gallon at the pump with fuel points more savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping kroger worth it every time kroger fresh for everyone fuel restrictions apply is It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati with Lindsey Patterson and Mike Santagata. We are back on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. Lindsey Patterson, Mike Santagata here. We talked a little bit of Joe Mixon, the restructure pay cut. He's going to be on the roster in 2023. Good news for the Cincinnati Bengals, freeing up a couple million dollars for him. Next, get to Ring of Honor. Uh, no real surprise for me personally. Boomer and Chad were uh, named into the 2023 Ring of Honor class. I personally feel like it's a, a pretty good class for the Cincinnati Bengals over the last three years when um, it is something that I wish they would have started a long time ago. But credit to Elizabeth Blackburn. She was a really big part of it happening. And the year they started it, they go to the Super Bowl, which is absolutely wild. Uh, but me personally, I, I think it's it's two good people. You get um, kind of the a little bit of the older crowd and then the younger generation with Chad Johnson and Boomer. I know there are older players uh, that were nominees for the Ring of Honor, but I, I think it was a, a really good mix for two guys who um, represent the Cincinnati Bengals in, in a great light. But what did you think of it? This was, I remember when we did our predictions and votes, this was my vote and prediction. Uh, I just think Chad was kind of a shoe. Like, what were the odds Chad was getting, but like 80%, yeah. 80% sure he's getting in there. Um, Boomer, and maybe it's just my personal history with the Bengals. I, I'm not old enough to have watched Boomer, really. But my mom is why she became a Bengals fan was that she was working at the Cincinnati McDonald's and he drove through and she thought he was very cool. <laughs> so she became a fan. Uh, and then like everything you see, it's like Boomer, he left and he didn't have the career we're hoping for in Cincinnati uh, compared to what it looked like it could be. But he was, he was kind of like Joe Burrow level the first few years there. Won an MVP, was the coolest dude. <laughs> Part of like the cool quarterback club thing that they had going on. And then he left for the Jets. And uh, <laughs> as far as, I'm, I'm not uh, a historian on this, but, it, you know, we're hoping Joe Burrow doesn't leave for the Jets. <laughs> no, no, but, no, but no. Similar, no. similar start, though, in, in my mind. Like MVP candidate, one of the coolest quarterbacks and players in the league. Etc. Awesome. Took a team to a Super Bowl. 
and it didn't keep going up from there. But yeah, I, I thought you win an MVP, one of the only two MVPs that this team has ever won. You probably deserve to be in the ring of honor. And uh, now I think is where it gets very interesting because my first thought after seeing the name on the ring of honor, if they're not going to add anybody is like, okay, I have no idea who I would vote for. <laughs> like I did the last three years. I have a gag vote for Boomer and Chad here for Willie. And actually I was, I would have voted for Willie and Chad, but I appreciate that Isaac Curtis got in. Yeah. And the first two were obvious. Paul Brown, Anthony Munoz, Ken Anderson, first three, but yeah. Uh, so did you have any thoughts on that or do you want to look ahead at next year's possibility? Yeah, I, I, we'll get to next year in just a moment. But yeah, for Chad Johnson, I will be completely honest with you. He made it cool rooting for the Cincinnati Bengals. Absolutely. Everybody I'm, had a Chad Johnson jersey. He was on the cover of NFL Street 3. Uh, just one of the icons of the league. You can continue, though. I remember uh, it would be the local news because the Bengals media would always be on Wednesdays. It's it's pretty normal around the NFL. And that's when the TV cameras are in there that they're doing interviews and everybody would go to Chad's locker or even after the game. And he would have his list in 2005 of all the corners that he was shutting down. And he was so confident. I loved everything about it. It was always a good Chad Johnson soundbite. And uh, for me personally, one game that really stands out. In 2004, the Bengals were finally back on prime time. It was absolutely huge. Monday Night Football was in town. I want to say it was on ABC at the time, or I just can't remember the network, but Michelle Tapoya was on the sidelines. And it was a huge game because it's Monday Night Football. You have the Denver Broncos in town. And Chad Johnson burnt Champ Bailey on a 50-yard touchdown. They won the game, and uh, it was just one of the coolest moments. And then, obviously, all of his different celebrations everybody knows about. But one of my favorite things about Chad Johnson – Obviously, when he was here, it was great. I wish they could have had some postseason success, but it was after because he's such an advocate of the Cincinnati Bengals now. I mean, he'll go to games. He'll sit in the stands. He'll be on the sidelines. Zach Taylor welcomes him back, and he still talks about them, and he seems like their number one fan when he's talking Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow, um, you know, all the wonderful things he said about the team today, and I think that's so cool to see a player like that who still has that social media presence, and he's bigger than ever. He's doing all kinds of really fun things when it comes to networks, and uh, it's just cool that he played for your favorite team, and then for Boomer, um, he kind of reminds me a little bit of Chad, different, not not so social media like, but even on um, CBS today when he does the NFL breakdown shows, he's always taking the Bengals. He's always talking Joe Burrow. In 2019, when Joe Burrow came to um, the set for one of the NFL preview games on a Sunday, and he's like, "All right, Joe, you know, pick up this Bengals helmet," and and he knew his future was going to get he was going to be drafted by the Cincinnati Bengals. And I've just I've always really enjoyed uh, watching and, and hearing Boomer talk about the Bengals. And look, he's not going to be positive all the time, but taking them in the AFC championship game and the divisional round and, um, you know, going against everybody else who's on the set. And it's just really cool to see. And obviously, I don't remember Boomer playing. Um, it's just all the pictures now. And he does look like one of those cool quarterbacks. Uh, seeing some of those come out today with his sunglasses on. And um, it would have been it would have been cool to watch Boomer at the same time. But uh but yeah, I think I think the fans got it right. I know people feel a certain way about how the voting is, but me personally, leave it up to the fans. Um, there's all kinds of different age groups who are going to be voting. I know my dad personally, who's had season tickets my whole entire life, he's a big Tim Crumry guy. Uh, so he's hoping maybe Tim is in next year. Because he voted Tim like every every year, <laughs> every time. 
Well, we, when we went to the Super Bowl, Tim was there because the former Bengals oh, were all yeah, in town yeah. and everything like that. And he saw Tim and he's like, I'm your biggest fan. Can I get a picture with you? <laughs> and I'm sure people are like, who's this guy? He's turned into a little kid when he sees oh, Yeah, he's huge on Tim Crumry. That's his guy. So he's kind of hoping uh, Tim gets in eventually. But it's just, it's really cool to, everybody has a different opinion. Um, but I, I honestly felt like with Boomer and Chad, when I was looking, sometimes I look at the reaction to a Bengals tweet. Sometimes I don't because I don't know what it's going to be. But a lot of people are like, no, this is these are two good players to get in. And I think we can all agree. And I like kind of what they did when they wanted to do. You get Willie in, you get another older player last year and they, they try to do that. But um, it will be something, you know, we'll go into what we think could happen in 2024. I feel like they're going to do it again every year. I know some teams do it like bi-yearly and it's it's not every year. But the thing- they're just they're so backlogged. They need to keep. Yeah, they have to. They have to. But then you, you bring up a good point. Who do you add? Do you add players or do you just go with your list you have right now until all of them are in? Yeah. I mean, that's the interesting part for me is you, you have Willie, you have Chad. The other 2005 Bengals, it's who? Ah, man. I'm trying to think, like, who who would you throw? Is is Rudy Johnson a Ring of Honor guy? But it would feel weird if Rudy Johnson made it before Corey Dillon to me. Yeah, um, no, no, that can't happen. I mean, not yeah. that Rudy can't be on the list, but you, you yeah, Corey, Corey might go in next year. He could, yeah, especially. Uh, I feel like he's kind of drumming up the publicity. People are like, yeah, yeah, Corey Dillon was really good, huh? Mm-hmm. Um, but then you move into the next era, in my mind, was, well, I mean, like there was kind of like that 2009 year, which was kind of like half that era, half what's going to be in the future. Mm-hmm. Um, but you have like Leon Hall and John Joseph isn't making the Bengals ring of honor after what he did. No, no, no. Not, that <laughs> not right away. Like... <laughs> not right away, at least. <laughs> It'll be a while for him. But I don't know. Uh Whitworth is too recent, I think. Even though I think he was he was in that 2009 team, it's just he's played forever. If he retired five years ago, I wonder if he would have a, he would be eligible for it. But there's, there's, yeah, there's a bunch of guys. It feels like there is a period kind of gap there, though, because I just can't think of too many guys who are shoe and Ring of Honor guys, or or even just Ring of Honor candidates from around 2000 five-ish to 2009 that aren't either in there or on the list already. Yeah, it's a really good point. And for some reason, Manzato would be a good one too. He would be a good one. Um, I feel like, and I feel like this is an easy decision, but of course it's, I feel like it's the five-year thing. They're going to wait five years after retirement and and then we'll find out because I'm like, oh, I can't wait for AJ Green to make the list. Gino Atkins. Oh, Gino still hasn't retired. I know, right? Still hasn't technically retired, even though he hasn't played. Well, it's crazy because um, the Cincinnati Bengals, I know fans when when it was kind of over with Gino in Cincinnati, but they wanted the Bengals to kind of like say goodbye and thank Gino. They don't do that until the player retires. They never do, or they, you know, go to another. He hasn't retired, so. So he doesn't get a goodbye video. So, I wonder if they'll just do it in a couple of years, just like, ah, he, he never did, but he's 40. <laughs> I don't think he's coming back, but uh, we'll see. Uh, but yeah, I think you bring up a really good point because you, I want to say you want to get that nice mix of the older guys and then, you know, still the younger teams. And I would say like the mid to late 2000s. Uh, and, and goodness, where you could even say that the 2015s and 2016s, but I don't really think there's a whole I'm lot of, there's, they're not, um there's, I mean, I guess Andy, I, 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 this is sensitive. 
Andy Dalton going to make there make it one day? Uh, Palmer would be up before him, I think. And I don't know if Palmer makes it, though, just because I think there's a lot of fans that still feel a certain way about him. I think he'd be um, on the list for a while. Yeah, I, I mean, I think of Dunlap from that 15 squad. He also has that issue of, like, how he left and whatnot. Um, like Zeitler's still playing, and I don't know if he is a Ring of Honor guy. He was good, but he left after his first contract. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I like I loved Reggie Nelson, but I, I don't know if Reggie Nelson is a Ring of Honor guy. I don't <laughs> he think was so. awesome, though. He was awesome. I loved him. Uh, well, but favorite I think you almost moved you almost move into like coaches, right? In my mind, I'm like, well, what about like Forrest Gregg and uh Sam Weish and those guys? Uh, have they even been up for it? They have Sam Weish would be an easy one. Yeah. Especially because he, he even has the thing at the stadium. Yeah. <laughs> like one of the most famous quotes, along with taking the team to a Super Bowl. I feel like that would be one that you just kind of go like, yeah, yeah, Sam Weish should probably if you're gonna expand the list, I would add him. And I mean, he might be first ballot. I don't know. Yeah, I think that would be a pretty easy one. You know, I, it kind of just felt like when they first did it. I, I know they obviously put Anthony Munoz and, and Paul Brown in, which of course you want to do that to start it out. And then you have two more that were nominated that year. But I just feel like they should have put a handful of guys in. But at the same time, you do have a hard time picking other players because not every roster had Ring of Honor worthy players um, or a lot of people that you can point to and say, yep. That was one of them. I mean, they definitely went through a slump. And then you go from the, the 2011 years to 2014. Who are you picking from those rosters? And then there are a lot of guys who said, you know what, if they would have stayed healthy, that's definitely a ring of honor guy. A lot of talent, but they were injured. I have one, and I don't think he ever had an accolade. But I, in my mind, yes, Domata Pecco. 100%. 100%, right? Ring of honor guy. <laughs> 100%. His vibes, his energy. Exactly. He was another guy that was at the Super Bowl. Like he was all about the Cincinnati Bengals and it was so cool to see. And I just, he just, oh man, I wish he could have just stayed with the Cincinnati Bengals for life. Uh, he was, he was actually pretty good in the Broncos early on in that contract. Eventually kind of faded out, but yeah, he was absolute ring of honor guy. So I'm glad I was, I kept thinking of 2015 Bengals, like, you know, you're probably not putting like Andre Smith in or <laughs> Eifert would be. I just feel like there's so much lost potential with Eifert. It's like the idea of Eifert, ring of honor. What he actually did on the field, 50 50. I feel like, uh, is he better than like Bob Trumpy for the tight end position? I have no idea. Um, but anyway, I, I, I mean, you're only expanded a few names. We came up with plenty. We came up with plenty of names. And then you're just kind of waiting for the green Atkins. <laughs> Yep. combo Whitworth to be able to be eligible. So uh, did not hit a mailbag for the first time in a Friday uh, in a while, but you know, there was a lot of stuff to talk about and I really enjoyed, I really enjoyed both talks, but man, I love the ring of honor talk. And this year I think is going to be very interesting. Well, this coming year, next year. I agree 100% with that. And what's so cool about it, it's going to be a Monday night football game. You're going to have Boomer in town. You're going to have Chad there. I'm sure they're going to be the ruler of the jungle and all of that stuff. But uh, 
it's just going to be really cool to see the the stadium light up when, when Chad gets it because he's done a lot for the Cincinnati Bengals. And like I said before, you know, it's unfortunate he didn't get those playoff wins in Cincinnati because, you know, he did have talented rosters. And he said it today on the call that, you know, if Carson doesn't go down, he really does feel like they go to the Super Bowl and they win. And a lot of people were like, well, what about that Colts team? But uh, but maybe it was just the vibes and, and how I felt about 2005 and what I compared it to in 2021. It just kind of gave me that similarity. The offensive lines were a little different. Uh, but uh, it just felt like that was going to be the year for them. Just so unfortunate. But it's going to be really cool to see Chad get his. And, um, like, I don't know what that means for the Hall of Fame or anything like that. I think there are just far too many wide receivers in front of him, and it's only going to grow. Um, but should be fun. Longevity issue for Chad in the Hall of Fame. I think he was a Hall of Fame talent, but he didn't have the longevity for it, sadly, or the volume stats. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, I've looked at it in a golden age of wide receivers to have two first team all pros, a second team all pro and six pro bowls. Super impressive. I think it's a better resume than some of the guys that have been semifinalists. When you look at Heinz Ward, not to just make that a Bengals versus Steelers thing, but I think uh, you could definitely make the argument, well, you know, Chad's got more all pros. Uh, he was better when they played. It's just Ward had longevity. I don't know, but yeah, probably not hall of fame guy we're we're working on willie first i think that's <laughs> if we can get willie and then we'll we'll look to some of the other ones but yeah that i look i think the stadium's going to explode for chad i'm i think it's going to explode for boomer i i can feel i i feel like the older generation is going to show out for that game you know i, I just yeah. feel like they're like oh yeah boomer's going to be there yeah, 100%. It'll be a good vibe. Uh, that's going to be week three, Monday Night Football versus the Rams. I uh, can't wait to talk about it. And then more training camp stuff next week, but we still have a few more things to talk about for the Cincinnati Bengals next on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, Determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This is It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati with Lindsey Patterson and Mike Santagata. We're back on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati with a special guest. We have Muhammad Sanu with us, part of one of the best Bengals teams of the past decade or so. Wanted to get some of your thoughts and ask you a few questions. And if you have anything to promote, feel free. You could do it here, do it at the end, do it both times. But want to make sure you have your space for – I know you're doing a charity uh, with your mom, right? Yeah, I am. Um, she's uh, – building a, a community center back in Sierra Leone that's going to help the community out in a big way. Not only um, help provide, you know, job location for people, but also place for learning, um, building a, a computer lab. So it's, uh, it's going to help a lot of kids have access to internet and Wi-Fi and being able to, to further their education in a way they couldn't afford. I mean, old-fashioned way, books and you know, not everybody has access to a laptop but or a computer. Now, you know, you're giving hundreds of kids within a community that 
it's an awesome cause. And if there's a link, uh, we'll make sure to put it into the show notes and tweet it out. Um, appreciate you coming on. No doubt. Now, first question, very hard one. <laughs> you threw a touchdown to Andy Dalton, and you threw a touchdown to Matt Ryan. Who mm-hmm. would make the better receiver? Honestly, I thought – I mean, Andy was, was more athletic in the sense that he had to go up and get it. Um, and I, not afraid of contact because he almost died. So <laughs> it was um, – I would have to have to get that one to Andy for sure. Asking one other question related to that, with, you did you had the, I think, 26 rushing attempts in Cincinnati, 42 in your career. How mm-hmm. many of those, either pre-snap or post-snap, had an option to pass the ball? Was it like all of them? No, not all of them. Okay. Some most, like majority of them, are um, mainly runs. But the ones, okay, just... the ones where I threw it, nine times out of ten, it was a pass. Okay, nine <laughs> times out of ten, yeah, was one time. I mean, you completed almost all of them, so I feel right. like the coach. <laughs> no, there was one time that they for sure stayed back in coverage, and I just ran it. <laughs> I know when you left Cincinnati to Atlanta. Kyle Shanahan bringing you in because it, he said, I believe it was like, you do everything important that like people don't notice. And he wanted that for, that helped AJ and helped Marvin and helps the whole wide receiver group. And he wanted that for Julio. And then obviously you guys go to the Super Bowl the next year. What do you think was your most underrated ability as a receiver? Uh, just doing everything that nobody else wanted to, honestly. <laughs> so basically that. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like, I feel like it, like there's always, you know, your role, you you know, like mm-hmm. there's always something that has to be done. Like there's just so many balls that are going to be thrown around to certain people. And you got to understand like, okay, like how can I improve the team for us to win? Like, cause you know, it takes 10 other people in order to succeed in whatever job you want to accomplish. So, and when it comes to football, and, you know, like, all right, like if I'm doing my part, whether it's blocking or receiving or whatever the case may be, running a route to pull a defender, like you got to know how you all fit in within the scheme. So, I mean, my my goal was always I wanted to win. So, like, I don't care. I'll do whatever it takes to win. And that's what I would necessarily do, whether it was run the ball, throw the ball or, you know, wherever I fit needed was come and cut block or block a DN. Like, that's what I wanted to do. Like, I just love it, love the game. So it's, um, I feel like it's a certain way you play it, like certain standard. Like, you know, nowadays people just want to play position. I'm a football player. I go out there, I play football. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's a, it's a game where you got to be versatile. Coaches love, I, I'm sure you know, but yeah, coaches love guys like that. You know, no, no ego. Just reminded me, it felt very. That answer feels very. Patriots, you know, like, you know, we're, we're all do that thing. And obviously mm-hmm. did. Yeah, I, 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 it, was, yeah. <laughs> it was a good while it lasted, but at the same time, in football, it's like, that's just, if that's just how I'm wired, like, and you fit in certain places and you've certain, certain energy, certain synergies work sometimes and they don't, but like, and that's just how it is. Like, but like you said, like, it's about just getting where you fit in and knowing like, how can I help when, like, cause that's all that matters. Like, they don't care if like you caught the ball or you or you didn't. Like, but do we win? Like, you know what I'm saying? Every game's where yeah. you may have caught like ten passes and you lost, or you caught two you caught two passes, but you blocked your tail off and you won. And those games feel way better than games you caught the ball. Like, 
And so, like, for me, like, you know, sometimes that didn't matter. But as long as we, when I went out and did my part and I, you know, played at my highest level, I know that, you know, I, I helped the game in whatever way, shape, or fashion. Most important down situation in football, third and medium. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you have any idea, but you converted 60% of the targets that were thrown to you into first downs. The NFL mm-hmm. average is like 45. <laughs> so I feel like <laughs> that's one of my favorite downs, third down. I mean, is I, it? I made it even. I mean, uh, we even called it third and Sanu wherever I was. Like, I, <laughs> that's like, you know, it's just third down. I know I'm getting the first down no matter what. Like, in order to keep the chains going, to keep the drive going so we can score. Like, like I know my, like, I knew a role that needed to be fit. And so I mastered that role. Like, like I know, like, in order for, you know, a team to to succeed, they need somebody to convert on third downs. Like, if you're able to get open consistently on third down and catch the ball, whether it's in pressure situation or in tight coverage or whatever the case may be, and be tough enough to continue to drive and then do the little things, like, then somebody's always going to find a place for you. Did you have a favorite route or concept on the third down? I love choice. Choice, yeah, that's what I was thinking. And, like, arches, uh, those are, like, my top three, like, routes that I run. Cooper Cup kind of made, like, everybody think about weak choice, but, like, that's been around (laughs) a long time. Yeah, Yeah, it's been around a minute. It's just it's fun to be. And it's dope, like, whenever you get into a scheme where that's the number one play that they run and you got somebody that throws it well and somebody understands it well. you're able to flourish in it. It's, it's dope to see. <laughs> Do you think your time as a quarterback at all helped you kind of quickly process NFL coverage and everything that you're going to get there and what a quarterback might want you to do on certain plays? Uh, yeah, I think my time playing everywhere helped because I played safety too, so I understand how oh, coverage okay. work and I understand how defenses play. So, like, you know – being an athlete and not just special knowledge and in one position, like, you know, I played quarterback and I played safety and I actually went to Rutgers as a safety. But, but like, you know, knowing like, okay, how to play defense and knowing how, you know, I would want to stop somebody versus and knowing how to attack a defense because I know how they want to stop me, you know, help me be able to get open and knowing how the quarterback thinks and knowing like where he would want his receiver. So all the throws are friendly. So help me find space and find you know holes within the defense so I was always a friendly open target that's awesome never knew about the safety thing did did you just like pick off to me pass this guy's got too good of hands to be safety (laughs) well I did a lot I had a one-handed interception uh, actually um coach talks about uh he's like we got a movie over there receiver and then (laughs) (laughs) the rest is history well, you also had two punts at Rutgers. Did you ever, did you ever have uh, any talk about some type of punt when you were in the NFL, or was it? No, actually, no, nothing? no. I, I mean, and the funny thing was, I was I punted great in high school too. Like I was all state punter. Like, <laughs> oh wow! <laughs> yeah, I was like thirty something yard, like thirty, like thirty nine, forty yards of punt or something like that. Man, well, maybe the emergency punter they never talked about. <laughs> they never talked about. No, I mean, it was funny. Cool story. So, like, I used to kick, like, 50-yard field goals every Friday, like, after practice when, when I played for the Bears. Like, just – Oh, wow. 
And I was just randomly, I would spin the ball and I would just kick him. Oh, right from the spin? You wouldn't have anybody right holding it? Spin. No, yeah, I wouldn't need nobody to hold it right from the spin. Did anybody else ever try it or they just see uh, you do it and just kind of like walk away? Uh, I don't know. I'm like, no, I wouldn't say people, folks would try. I know sometimes Coach Darren would have me kick just messing okay. around because it was just, you know, certain stuff that you do or I'd throw the ball at the goal post and hit the crossbar from like 40 yards away. Just like, just doing cool, like random fun stuff. Like, you got to have fun uh, while you're out there. <laughs> Grinding. So, your first game back in Cincinnati, what was that like for the team that drafted you and everything coming back as a Falcon? And then also, why go over 100 yards? Why didn't you take it easy? <laughs> well, that was the uh, first game against Cincinnati. It was very interesting. It was fun. Um, it was a lot of mixed emotion because it was like, you know, I was grateful, like, being able to get drafted by the Bengals and playing in Cincinnati for four years. Like, I loved the organization and, um, you know, being able to play there, uh, it just sucked. We never got to, you know, negotiate or got anything that was worth working with. So we, you know, went our separate ways. But, like, I would have loved to, you know, play in Cincinnati for forever because it's, it's a great city. But, you know, God, God bless me to be able to play in their different cities and different teams and have great years and play for Atlanta. But, like, I know when I was playing against the Bengals that, that day, I had a chip on my shoulder because it's like I wanted to, you know, necessarily show them, like, what they let go necessarily. Like, mm-hmm. like you know, because it's not like I didn't want to come back. Like, it just – it wasn't what I wanted for myself. Like, mm-hmm. I wanted something bigger. They, want, they didn't want me to be what I wanted to be, essentially, which is okay. Like, there's nothing against them. Like, you know, they always have their vision – and you know you got to understand it's the business side, and you know let it let it play its course. And I'm grateful that they even saw me as an athlete that was, you know, good enough to play in an organization in the first place. But I had business. to go out there and show them like mm-hmm. this is what I can do, and it's what you like. Uh, yeah, I get it. I mean, yeah, that uh, in your time in Cincinnati. Just had to ask a Cincinnati question. Do you have any favorite restaurants here you remember? Or Oh, yeah. Sure. I love Jeff Ruby Steakhouse. Uh, of course. I love the precinct. I love um, Montgomery Inn. That was okay. really good. I love their wings there. Boston. Mm-hmm. I know people are not going to like this, but I'm not really a Skyline fan or Chili fan. But Look, like, I, I mean, think we're all so used to hearing people say that. It's like, yeah. I get it. I think it's like it's like one of those things you had to grow up eating. So like that's why yeah. I'm out. so it's like so I understand it. Like I love y'all that love it. You know, I appreciate y'all having that infatuation and love for it. And I hope it gives you guys joy like the, the way you guys <laughs> say it does. And I always used to eat Waffle House uh you know, on Mondays after the game. <laughs> is that is that part of the Atlanta one? You know, they've no. got a lot of Waffle Houses too. I know, but I, I stopped when I got to Atlanta. But when I was in, when I was in Cincinnati, I was to go to that one in Covington, right across the bridge. <laughs> Did you have a favorite guy you matched up with ever, or even team? Like, oh, you I mean, it was fun playing against BW um, Webb. He was so good. Like, so, yeah. And, like, oh my god, yeah. He was smart, like instinctual, like. So he made it fun. Like he made it fun to play. Against, yeah, you know, he made it so much fun. 
play against them. And then um, when we played the Ravens. I was thinking the Ravens just because that was the first game I really remember of like, oh, man, everybody's down. What's going to happen? And it was just you going for like 120 <laughs> yards or something. Oh, uh, no, I only have five targets, too. Yeah. Okay. Could have been more. Uh, what, the first play or second play? And he threw the skinny post. I think that was the first play. and it, it was just like very calming, I think, for the entire fan base of like, Oh, okay. The offense will be fine. <laughs> <laughs> that four-game pace with AJ Green out, insane. I forgot how on pace for seventeen hundred yards. Oh uh, no! I mean, <laughs> oh, you know, you're uh, like, I yeah, I know. I was awesome. Listen, all I need is the opportunity. And you know, this game is all about opportunity. That's how that I live. Like, you know, like I was forced into getting all the opportunity, so. Is, is what you do with it. And if you do what you're training yourself to do necessarily or how you envision yourself doing it, then, then, you know, you take full advantage and, you know, good things happen. Great talking to you. Great talking to you too, Stoked, you, stoked you came on the show. Um, Thanks for having me, man. And hopefully I can get some people to donate to the charity and that they enjoyed the interview. Hopefully. That'd be dope. Hope they enjoy it, man. Y'all have a great, great evening and a great time. Who they nation.